This is a message from one of our Sunday celebrations. And you can find out more about Jubilee by visiting our website at www.jubilee.org.uk. So good to be with you this morning. Um, I would honestly, actually no, if, I, right, if I'm honest, I, I will be honest, I think I would rather be downstairs doing routine this morning. I'll tell you why, right? not, not on a normal morning, okay, normal morning I'll probably just bore them to tears, but at the moment we've got the young people taking over some of uh, taking over the Sunday mornings and so they're, they're looking at the word of God during the week and they're coming up with these crazy ideas to uh to to show what's going on and I'll tell you what this morning uh, Dan has been working with Amelie and they have got this amazing has anyone done an escape room before yeah you know what I mean by an escape room they've got an escape room going on downstairs it looks absolutely fantastic and I, I just want to get down there and, uh, and experience it but you can't leave until they've broken the code, unfortunately. So, so I'm just going to keep, I, I, I've been told, keep going until they've broken the code, they come up and then they can release you. Okay, so, um, so we'll, we'll just see how, you, you better pray it takes them not very long. You better pray that, that code is easy. Um, so uh, it was really good as well to have that Pursuing His Presence conference last week I, 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 we're hearing some fantastic stories and testimonies come out from that and one of the uh, my, my experience of it was just God just just showed himself to me in a in a in this totally new way like a like a totally different level like a like I, I was experiencing him and and understanding something of of, of like the backstage of what goes on like like you can see what's on you can see what's on stage but actually you kind of feel I, I kind of felt like oh I could see just a little bit I could see what's going on just behind stage a, a little bit more it, it was quite it's incredible incredible hum, humbling thrilling to for God to rest on me in that way I, and and I I don't know who who else enjoyed themselves. Who who else who else met God in a fantastic way that that time? Yeah, so good, so cool. Well, as part of um, uh, on the back of pursuing His presence, we had Dave and Rosie Fellingham with us uh, last week, and and that was a real blessing to have Dave come and speak uh, to the church. And he's like one of the great grandfathers of uh, or the founding fathers of uh, of New Frontiers. Uh, which is which is the movement that that we were born from as a as a church so uh, when when you have someone of his history with God and his story with God uh come along what you don't say is uh Dave I want you to talk on uh, our, I want you to fit into our schedule that we have prepared uh you kind of might miss some of the gold that he's he's ready to bring and we and we got that last week. So what was scheduled was Acts 16. We're working our way through the book of Acts, uh, which is in the New Testament. 
Um, it's, it's just after the Gospels of, of Jesus, just after the stories of Jesus. And it's, it's written by one of the guys who wrote the Gospels, Luke. And, and it tells the, the story of what happened in the early church. And one thing I just uh, totally love about having been in Jubilee and, and what I've seen of, of New Frontiers churches and Christ Central churches in, in the years that I've been part of them, and I didn't grow up with this, is just here's, here's some people, honestly, taking a look at what the Bible says, taking a look at what was the, what was the experience of Jesus? What was the experience of the early church? And shouldn't we be doing those things now? How can we honestly do that now? How can we relevantly do that now? So it's so good to have Dave come and speak to us out of that. But Acts is such a, a thrilling book um, that we, don't, we also don't want don't to miss some of the important stuff that was going on. So I, I want to summarize um, Acts 16, which we were scheduled for last week. Don't worry, I'm not, saying, I'm not having a go at Dave for not speaking on it. But then move on to Acts 17 if we get a chance. So, you see, what happens in, so what happens in Acts 16, it starts off, it's a big deal, starts off in a place called Derby. Yes. Acts 16 starts off in a place called Derby with a guy called Timothy. So, so you know, you can see why I'm wanting to talk on it. And then, and then just before Tim, Timothy starts to go and talk to people about Jesus, he gets told he has to be circumcised. So maybe we should just like move on <laughs> quite quickly to Acts 17, please. Um, uh, I, I don't, although I don't understand how that could ever, how they would have ever found out whether or not he was. But, but anyway, um, he, had to, he, had to be, he had to be circumcised. Um, and and that, that was because of you know, where he came from, and he was going to talk to, talk to Jewish people who they, they needed to kind of get this straight in their mind. Like, they wouldn't have even listened to him if he wasn't circumcised, and he was, he was from a, a Greek and Jewish family, so, so they, that needed to happen. Um, but there's such a depth of fellowship between Paul, who is one of the main main characters in in acts one of the main people that we hear the story from in fact in fact you know they call it acts of the apostles you know paul is like he wasn't even one of the original apostles and he's is a lot of it just follows uh, what was happening with with paul and there was such a relationship between paul and timothy that actually timothy went yeah okay let's do this and if you want to hit if you want to hear more about it because I'd rather not talk about that bit, then, then um, we had an amazing uh, 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 speaker from um, Stoke Church last year, Michael Jury, um, who uh, came and talked to us um, about that. And so if you want to have a look on our podcast in June last year, uh, you can hear all about it. Um, so what else happens in Acts chapter 16? Well, basically, there's a lot of people coming to know Jesus, and that is a really good thing. So, so, um, after, so after they've been in Derby and Lystra, then Paul 
gets a vision, gets a dream about coming over. Uh, there's a man in Macedonia calling them over, come and speak to us. And so they don't delay. They get up straight away. They go to, they go to Macedonia. They make the preparations to go. And they go and preach the gospel there. And then, um, and in a, in, a place, in a place here um, in Macedonia called Philippi, um, which you might recognize from the book of Philippians, um, there was, they preached the gospel there. And lots of people came to know Jesus, including um, uh, a, a prominent woman um, called Lydia, who was, who was an important woman in, in the town. Um, and, then, and then they move on. They move on from, um, uh, from Philippi, and uh, they're talking to, well, actually, they, um, they're talking to uh, lots of people following them around, and particularly there's this one slave follows them around, and this slave is like a fortune-telling slave. And this, this slave says, keeps shouting out and keeps interrupting what Paul and Silas and, and probably Timothy is there in that mix as well, what, what they're doing. And it says that Paul got, Paul got annoyed with it and called the, the demon out, the demon that was causing the slave to tell fortunes. He called it out of her, and then the owners of this slave were like, oh, no, where's our money going to come from now? So they got well angry with with Paul and Silas and pulled them into the marketplace, pulled them to the magistrates and said, look what they're doing. They're, they're bringing all these foreign customs. Actually, it was, their, it was their heart of, hang on, they've just, they've wrecked our life here because they've set this woman free. Um, but, what, but they were just making up some trumped up charges about that. They're, they're ruining our life. They're, they're changing the culture. The culture is, they're, they're coming and speaking stuff that is foreign to us, that is against our way of life. So, uh, so they, oh, where am I? I can't see on here. There we are. Um, so they, they're in front of the, in front of the magistrates. They, they try to um, get a guy called, Oh, hang on. I'm, I might be mixing my places up here. Have I said? I haven't said. Told you about Jason. They try. They try and get this guy called Jason as well because they've been staying at his house. I'm just going to stop padding until I can find my notes. There we are, right. So Paul and Silas, they get dragged into prison. And then, so, not only do they get dragged, they get dragged in a horrible way. They get beaten and flogged on the way. And so while, after having been beaten, flogged, put in prison, it's midnight. You'd be thinking, right, get your head down. Just get some rest, recover from this bad day. What are they doing? Paul and Silas, in the prison, they are Worshipping, they're singing hymns, they're praising the Lord. Out of nowhere, the Lord sends an earthquake. The earthquake shakes the prison, shakes the cell doors open. The prison guard, the jailer, sees, oh, this is all gonna this is about to go wrong. There's there's been this this earthquake, everyone's about to leave. I, I better get ready to just 
kill myself now. I'm going to get ready to kill myself. Paul and Silas shout out to him. They go, stop, don't do it. We're still here. Immediately, he wants to know about Jesus. He, he wants to know, well, what must I do to be saved? So he wants to know about Jesus. His whole family gets to know about Jesus. That very night, he's baptized along with his family, just like Lydia was, just like people in other towns before. Baptism happened pretty quickly. There was an, there was an earthquake. What have I got to do to be saved? Hey, put your trust in Jesus. Repent and be baptized. So it's worth saying, baptisms, 30th of June, Looking, I'm so looking forward to, to celebrating the, the new life that the Lord has brought to, to those he's saving in our church. Isn't that so cool? So, so it's going to be great to join together and celebrate with those who are, who are recent Christians, who have just given their life to Jesus, to go, yeah, that's so good. The grave has no hold on you anymore. You're all about new life. So I'm so looking forward to celebrating uh, amongst us. And if that, if that is describing you and you think, actually, I haven't been baptized yet. And I do follow Jesus. I, I've, I've repented of my sin. I've put my trust in him. And I'll, I haven't been baptized yet. Or maybe I don't really want to be baptized for whatever reason. Actually, I've been there. I've known that feeling. Come and talk to me about it. Because it'd be great. It'd be great to talk about it. See where you're at, and uh, and so you might be uh, baptized in water, and re- and just and prophetically show that the grave has no hold on you anymore, and that you're being lifted up and out of the grave into new life. I know there's lots of people not here today because it's half term, and so if you're if you're hearing this and thinking, oh, actually, I know this person. In our life group, I know this person in in um, rooted. I know this person uh, who comes along sometimes. Actually, they've been talking about it a bit. It's still open to them. Thirtieth of June is a long way away. Uh, not that long ago, we had a we had a baptism where someone just said on the day, "Can I be baptized too?" That was so amazing, and uh, you know, hit j- just just like in the story of. Um, of Philip and and the Ethiopian. There's water here. What's stopping me being baptized right now? What's stopping me? So, oh, baptisms, 30th of June. Let's let's look forward to it. Let's join together. It's going to be um, it's going to be at half past two at uh, Queen's Leisure Centre. Um, the swimming pool just there. Right, where were we? Um, So, after having been in prison and not escaping, even though they could have done, but leading the jailer to, to know Jesus, the magistrates come in the morning and, um, and realize that they have beaten and imprisoned Paul and Silas, who are Roman citizens. That's, a, that's naughty, because you need, to, you need to give them a trial before you do that. So... Um, so they had to escort them out of the city and say sorry to them. Um, they say goodbye to the church in Philippi. They go and encourage the church just before they le- leave. And then they move on to Thessalonica. 
Um, again, you might know that from the book of Thessalonians in your Bible. Trust me, it's going to get a little bit more geographical in a minute. Like You're going to start to recognize names that you might have heard in the news, names you might have heard or seen in maps, not just in your Bible. So they move on to Thessalonica, and they spend, get this, three weeks reasoning with Jews in the synagogue and Greek people. Large numbers, again, are saved, and it upsets the status quo. People try and shut down Paul and Silas, and there are, there are more imprisonings. This is where Jason comes in. Um, there's, more, there's more imprisonings, but uh, Paul and Silas, they avoid capture. They get out of the city, and they move on to Berea. Different people in Berea. They respond to the gospel in a different way. Um, they, it's, it's a more fertile ground for, for, for the good news of Jesus Christ to, to land in the hearts of people of Berea. Um, Again, large numbers come to know Jesus and call on him as their savior. And then those pesky Thessalonicans find out what's, what's been going on in Berea and they send a whole bunch of people down to go, All right, these are the, Paul and Silas, these are the guys that really upset our city. So Silas stays in Berea, Timothy stays in Berea, but they send Paul to Athens. Four people have heard of Athens. No, no, more, more. Okay, we've got some awake people heard of Athens. So Athens is the capital of Greece. Okay, and and this is where we pick up our story in Acts 17, verse 16. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's true. Thank you that these words are in here to help us see the truth of your love and your mercy for mankind. Lord, would you, Holy Spirit, help us understand these words? Would you make them come alive to our hearts? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day, and with those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to dispute with him. Some of them asked, what's this babbler trying to say? Others said, others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching about the good news of Jesus and the resurrection. Thanks, Luke. I hadn't realized that he was preaching that. So when, when they took him, so they took him and they brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, which is like an assembly for the town, for the city, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching uh, is that you're presenting. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears and we want to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking and listening to the latest ideas. So Paul stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, Men of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and I 
and I looked carefully at your objects of worship, I found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Now, what you worship as something unknown, I'm going to proclaim to you. I'm, basically, I'm, I'm going to tell you who he is. The God who made the world live in temples built by hands. And he's not served by human hands as if he needed anything because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. From one man he made every nation of men that they should inhabit the whole earth and he they should live. God did this so that men would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though, this, though he is not far from each one, each one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we're God's offspring, we should not think that the divine is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by man's design or skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the, by the man he has appointed. He's given proof, to this, proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. So when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered, but others said, we want to hear you again on this. And at that, Paul left the council. A few men became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysius, a member, and a number of others. So Paul is waiting in Athens. He's kind of waiting for it to blow over in Berea. And either he's going to go back to Berea, or he's always waiting for um, Silas and Timothy to join him. And while he's there, he's, he gets distressed. He gets, the, the English Standard Version says, his spirit is provoked because the city was full of idols. So I wonder if, what, what that would mean. If, if Paul was having to sort of take a breather from Nottingham, because it was getting a bit heavy over there and came to Derby, would he look around Derby? Would he be distressed that Derby was full of idols? I don't know. Maybe you haven't used the word idol since, since you had the misfortune to watch Pop Idol on Saturday nights. It was a forerunner to X Factor. It was bad. But, but maybe you haven't talked about idols, you know, apart from... You know, a teen, a teen idol, like, like some, someone that you'd have up on your, a poster on your wall when you were 13. Maybe it was your favorite band. Maybe it was a, your favorite sports person. Maybe it was your favorite car, whatever it was. Maybe you haven't talked about the word idol apart from that sense. But an idol in Athens... Might, may have come in so many different shapes and sizes. It would have represented a deity, represented a, a, a god with a small g. And could it, it would be made out of stone or silver or gold. It would be, it, it would be, some would be big, some would be small. Some would get dressed up. Some would just be fine on their own. Some would have food offered to them. But they, they'd come in all different shapes and sizes. The common factor was 
that they were made. They were made by someone like me, but just who could make stuff better than I can. Some, someone who can make stuff well. It could have been really beautiful, really nice to look at. But they were made. And they were made by somebody, made by a mere human. It, if you look at a drawing that I've done, I had to do the other day. My, my cousin's getting married. They want, they want us to do a self-portrait on the RSVP, which is then going to, I think, become our place card. Okay. So I'm not good at drawing. Okay, my I had I had to do about ten, uh, ten rehearsal attempts to to just just represent something that basically looks like an egg with a beard. Okay, that that's that's what I had to do. Okay, there's the I've got pages of oh that's no good, that's no good. Oh that one's a bit wonky. I'm not I'm not good at making stuff, but you'd see that picture and go yeah absolutely. That was not drawn by the hand of God. You wouldn't look at you wouldn't look at that picture and go, Wow, perhaps perhaps this is God himself. <laughs> you you just you just wouldn't. Over to the amazing picture that we saw Lucy had had uh, done earlier that told the story of of a pearl being created out of hard times. It was beautiful. It was amazing. With all due respect to Lucy, you still wouldn't look at it and go, well, God painted that. It's, it is brilliant. It's totally different to what I would have done. But it's still prepared by a mere human. However good you are at making stuff, it's only going to look, it's, it's always going to be created by somebody. It's never going to actually be a God. It's never going to actually be something that you could pray to. How, how, could, how could that be? How could we create something and go, all right, this is now going to take on qualities of God. So I'm going to start praying to this picture that I've drawn. I'm going to start praying uh, to, to this sculpture I have carved. No. That just sounds ridiculous. And that doesn't happen in Derby much anyway. You wouldn't look around and look for the idols that we could see. Go, oh, look, Elliot's drawn this amazing picture. Actually, he's designed this amazing digger. Let's worship the digger. No. Why you wouldn't do that? If we're an amazing engineering capital. We make amazing stuff. We make diggers just down the road. We make, sorry, I, there's a different word for it, but it's diggers in my head, isn't it? All right. <laughs> um, we make jet plane engines. We make trains. We make cars. No one's going to look at a Toyota Auris and go, well, surely God is in this car. It's not going to happen, is it? (laughs) 
all of this stuff is just made by human hands or it's made by machines which are made by humans. It doesn't take on any divinity. Now, our Lord is the creator. Paul goes on to say, look, he made everything. He made absolutely everything. And you are made in his image. So creating stuff, making stuff is, is really good. That, that means that you are like God. There is, there is a likeness because he's creative. You can be creative too. You can come up with creative solutions. You can come up with amazing craft ideas. You can, you can come up with ways through stuff that you think, oh, how, can we make, how, can, how can we make a way to achieve this? That it's possible. He has made us creative because we're made in his image. But that doesn't mean that what we make is worth praying to. No, 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 no. So you can see, Paul gets distressed by this. You can see that actually there's a, there's a spiritual temperature that's just different, that actually, you know, maybe he's been in other places and, okay, they have, they have deities, they have other gods that they pray to, but it's just like this place is just crammed full. This idol I need to go and give... give um, uh, give a money offering to this one? No. It's distressing for him. I think we've, we've probably worked out now, as our, our culture has shifted somewhat, I used to love, I used to love looking at the Argos catalogue when I was a kid. Loved it, right? Go through, look at all the stuff I want. There is not a house big enough, or there's probably just a few people in this world that have a house that could afford a house big enough for all the stuff that I wanted out of that Argos catalogue. Yeah? Oh, just all the toys. Oh, as, I, as I got a little bit more sophisticated, probably like when I was nine or something, I just I didn't look at the, the little toys. Started to look at like what were called the executive toys. Yeah, like the little things that would sit on your desk and you'd, you'd um, pull the, the, this ball back and it would knock into all the others and it would send this perpetual motion thing going. And, oh, I really, really wanted one of that. I just wanted stuff. I think as our culture has actually moved on, we've realized that we can't afford now houses big enough for all the stuff. So what do you get someone on their birthday now? You go to Groupon and you get vouchers for an experience. Here, have this experience. You don't have to chase after this stuff now. You can just have this experience. And indoor skydiving. Wow, that was so much fun. It was finished in two minutes. It didn't last. You see, an idol is anything created. And nothing that I have said so far, nothing is, none of it is wrong. Jet plane engines aren't wrong. Going indoor skydiving isn't wrong. The executive toy section of the Argos catalogue isn't wrong. But elevating those things to a position in your heart where, where the stuff that will not last, the stuff that you can't take to heaven, takes the place of God, takes the place of eternity, eternity which he has placed in your heart, if, if, those stuff, if those things get moved up here, then it's starting to become an idol. And actually, maybe there is stuff 
in our hearts where we go, mm, this might be an idol. Maybe it's stuff. Maybe it's experiences. Maybe it's the maybe it's the fact that actually, well, I just need to get through this this tough time at work. Maybe it's what Jenny was saying that actually your idol almost becomes the consuming nature of work. Preaching to myself here as well. It doesn't have to be a thing. It doesn't have to be an experience. It could be your role, your identity. It could be the way you look. I've got, I, I work in a um, rehabilitation from, from trauma after head injuries and things like that. Sometimes you have people come in who they're recovering from, say, a car accident. Talk, talk, but part of their face, half of their face may have dropped down. And that's the hardest thing for them to deal with, how I look. How, you know, I, I can cope with being in a wheelchair. I can, I can find my way around talking or sounding a bit different, but wow, would you... Would you please help me to change how my face looks? Sometimes it's just not what you... But how, however pretty your face is or lovely your car is, actually, you don't have all of the, these things as they are on earth won't be going... They won't be enduring into eternity. They'll... Everything will be restored in eternity. This is eternity that he's put in the hearts of people. So Paul is distressed about this. And, the, and what he does is not to get out into the streets and, and with his veins bulging in his head and picking up some kind of spiritual sword and starting to declare, come out come out of the Athenians' demons of idolatry. He doesn't go out and do that. Though he could, based on form. He did just, he called out demons before. But this is a culture that he's attacking. And it says, so, so, this is what he did. So, he reasoned with them. What? He reasoned with them. This is Paul who could, who could get angry. He could get annoyed. He could call it out. What did he do? He reasoned. And it says he didn't reason with them. He didn't turn up today and go, right, I'm reasoning with you. We're going we're gonna to sort out this idolatry issue today. Okay. Afterwards, you're going to be set free and we'll be on our way. No, it says he reasoned with them in the synagogue. He reasoned with them in the marketplace. He did it day after day. He was committed to this. He was committed to what we find out is actually he was committed to learning about their culture. He had to learn, well, hang on. What, what is it like to, to live in a city? What are the beliefs of a city? that have all these idols. Oh, hang on, let me find out. Oh, they, they, they believe in an unknown God. Hang on, let me read their poetry. So he reads, he reads their poetry and, and finds out that actually um, 
the poetry say, we are God's offspring. And for in him we live and move and have our being. Wow, some of these things could have been written in the scriptures. They're not, they were written by Greek poets. And he says, look, you've got this, you're, you're grasping the idea that eternity is in your hearts. He says, you're not actually that far away. You just, you, you, I can see this yearning in you to, to know more, to know more about it. Let me tell you who this unknown God is. Oh, he is good. He is Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus. He rose from the dead. He paid the price for your sin. He wants, he wants to see you become an offspring of God, a child of God, just like your poetry says. He had to reason with them about it. All kinds of people. He had to wrestle it through. Talk, he was committed to it. It's perhaps caught up on our culture a little bit as the online domain has become wider and wider and it's become like a it's become the way that we debate. It's become the way that we talk talk about the big things. You know, you're not allowed to talk about politics or religion at dinner parties, you're told. You're not allowed to talk about it over lunch at work. So you just do it over Twitter. And man, like the Twitter, even Twitter realized how reductionist it was. Trying to get, trying to get your view into 140, was it 140 characters? And they went, oh, hang on, we're gonna have to double this because because people can't give big enough arguments. Actually, it's just it's just making everything too simple. Paul's out there. Day by day, going. Let me tell. Let's let's reason. Let's talk. Let's see what you believe. Let's see what I believe. Let let me show you. You're not that far away. If we're not careful in the church, we can see that people coming to know Jesus happens at big events, big conferences, big big Sundays, Sundays where we, hey, we've got a guest speaker coming along, come and, come and invite your friends, you're going to hear all about Jesus, that's so important. When we've taken our young people away to, to New Day before, and we get to see, maybe, maybe there's like 300 young people come to know Jesus, wow, so thrilling to see, it's, it's even better when they're like some of the kids that we've brought along. But we can think sometimes in the church, well, that can only happen then. It can only happen when we send our kids off to an event. It can only happen when we go to this big conference that, hey, we've had to pay money for this one, so, so it's going to be good. But actually, if we do that, and, and those things are good. Those things are good. But if we do that, we miss the day-by-day nature of talking with our friends of talking with our family, of talking with our colleagues, of talking with the people 
who Luke says here, who happened to be on the street. Actually, when Paul's talking about it, he says that he's ordained people exactly where people will be at exactly what time. Paul wasn't treating this thing as a coincidence. So the people that he was meeting on the street, he knew he was, be, he was meant to be meeting. I want to live in a, I want to be part of, of a church. Imagine this, where every Sunday we're seeing just a relentless number of people come to know Jesus for the first time. Wouldn't that be amazing? I was at a, our young people, some of them go to an um, a event on, um, on a Sunday night once a month at Whitemore Lakes, uh, which is down the road. And, and um, they, they asked me to speak at it because I, <laughs> I think someone dropped out. And, um, and at the end of it, I'd got a mint talk lined up. It was going to be really good. And, um, and Jesus said to me, I mean, this was, this was kind of clearer than I've ever heard him. Just tell them you were dead. Forget the mint talk that you had. Just tell them you were dead. Now you're alive. There's a bit of a testament that goes along with that. And at the end of it, I got to pick up six stones from outside, six stones that go into a pot that sit in the manager's office in this in this place. And every because every time that kid becomes a Christian, every time that they, they meet, the, meet Jesus and go, I believe in you, every time that happens, they, they pick up a stone and they start to, they've, they've got this bucket of stones now, which gets prayed over every day as a representation. There's nothing important about the stones, right? But it gets prayed over. Wow. Look at, look at this fruit. Look at, look at these people becoming children of God. I got to pick up stones and put them in because six people came to, came to know Jesus as I, as I was talking. That is a miracle because it, I had a mint talk lined up. I gave a rubbish one as far as I was concerned. Gee, I was just being faithful. Jesus just said, like, tell them you were dead. Now you're alive. Six people come to know Jesus. It's flipping amazing. Praise God. I'll, imagine... What Jubilee would be like if six people came to know Jesus every day, every meeting that we had. We'd be out there going, okay, who's ready to become a Christian? Who's ready to get to know Jesus for the first time? Imagine the change that that would cause amongst us as, as, as new life flowed out from here into our, into our schools, into our colleges, into our workplaces. Imagine the change that would happen. You know that life that, that, that people have just met God and they're just so brimming with passion for what Jesus has done in their life. Look, I was dead. Now I'm alive. Wow. Let me tell my mates about it. Oh, I'm not supposed to talk about religion at lunchtime. Who cares? I'm telling you about it. You've got a whole bunch of people just being faithful. You've got a whole bunch of people just being Faithful to Jesus. So I wonder, as we 
as we step out of here, how can we reason with our friends? How can we reason with the neighbors who God has been with the families that he's put us in? How can we reason with our colleagues? Let's, let's, tell, let's tell them. You know, if they're sick, hey, I pray for people who are sick. If they're going through a hard time, man, that must, that must be tough. Let me, I want to pray for you about that. Maybe that's, all, maybe that's all we can do. But nothing, the Bible says, nothing that we ever do for the Lord is ever in vain. Nothing we ever do for the Lord is ever in vain. He's so good. Paul was declaring that the unknown God who is unknown to so many, whether they're who are fasting and praying every day of the week at the moment, wherever someone is on their journey, Paul's saying, hey, that unknown God that fact that, yeah, you know Jesus didn't sin, but you don't know that he died to save, you don't know he died and rose again to save, save you from your sins. The fact that that unknown God that you don't even believe in, Paul's saying, let me, let me reveal who this is to you. Now, so I want us to pray as we finish, and I wonder if we can do that on our feet. That would be so great. Let's. We're going to pray for helping us understanding where the idols are in our life. And we're going to pray for helping us to reason with our friends and our colleagues. Holy God, you've placed eternity in our hearts. Lord, would you help us? Holy Spirit, we welcome you here and we ask that you would reveal to us the things that are not going to last, not going to last to heaven. The things that are not going to make it there. Would you, would you help us to see where they are in our heart? Things that aren't necessarily wrong, but they're just in danger of encroaching on you and your lordship and your kingdom. Would you help us, whether it's stuff or experience or identity or roles, whatever it is, Holy Spirit, would you come and reveal that to us? Holy Spirit, we ask that you would fill your people with power. Lord, just to talk about the ordinary life with you. Lord, just to talk about the amazing story of life with you. Just to be there on a daily basis with our friends. Just to, just to show up and be present and bring you into into those conversations to be real about you with our families 
to be real about you in our workplaces. Ooh. To be real about you when we're um, talking, talking with health professionals. To be real about you as we're, uh, as we're at school and college. Lord, would you help us to, to reason and, and just debate you well? Would you help us to, to shine a, just put on a, a big window of heaven as people look into our lives? Holy God, we ask that you would strengthen us, overturn our minds to give us wisdom when we're to take the opportunities. In your name we ask. Amen. Thanks for listening to this Jubilee Church podcast. Feel free to check out our website at www.jubilee.org.uk or come along on any Sunday morning.